What's up, it's Lynn from Paris, and you're listening to the Rock Sound Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Rock Sound Podcast. I'm Will Cross, junior editor at the magazine. Joining me as always, Tamsin Wills. Hello. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Good week, yeah? I've had a, a brilliant week. I was very concerned I was going to have no voice again <laughs> because I went to see The Rocket Summer on Monday oh. and I had the absolute time of my life. Nice, very nice. And Jack Rogers, hello. Hello, Will. All right? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's all getting to me a bit. Yeah, long yeah. day. Emotional long, day. Long life. <laughs> Amazing. So last week we had Mr. Remington lead the Palais Royale on the show. Absolutely brilliant. Alongside Mr. Dan Lampton and Kyle Faisal of Real Friends. Absolutely brilliant. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Follow us on SoundCloud. But this week we have got the return of the Toxic Twins. Mr. Ben Bruce, Mr. Danny Warsnop on one call. Ask Alexandra's return. Absolutely amazing. So buckle in, hold tight. It's pretty insane. And also our very first Rock Sound Hall of Fame interview for the podcast, which is with Jordan and Chad from Newfound Glory on their classic album, Sticks and Stones. Absolutely amazing. So loads going on. But first, Tams in the news. Fallout Boy have unveiled the track listing for Mania. Black Veil Brides have dropped a new track to When They Call My Name. Waterparks have dropped the video for Blonde, as it is have dropped the video for No Way Out. State Champs' Around the World and Back documentary is now available to watch online. Lynn Gunn and Corey Taylor were guest on Tonight Alive's Underworld, which is ridiculous. Sleeping With Sirens have announced a US tour taking place in December, and 1OK Rock will release a live DVD on January 17th. Head to rocksound.tv to find out more about all of that. Lovely stuff. So, Ask Alexandria, returning with AA5, self-titled in December. Man, like, when I talk about chats to do for this podcast, this was unlike any other. So I had a conference call with Danny and Ben, and just, like, obviously, you know, being a long-term fan of that band, uh, I kind of knew what to expect, and it's just Ask Alexandria, a back man, just in always. Um, so, yeah, strap in. I'm going to let them do the talking. Parental advisory. There's a lot of swearing in this, so buckle up. Here we go. Ask Alexandria, Mr. Ben Bruce, Mr. Danny Warsnop. So, obviously, it's a huge, huge moment. You know, obviously, Danny, your return to the band, uh, you know, the restoring of the original lineup. Um, how was it going into the writing process for the album? Were there a lot of nerves or did things kind of flow naturally? How did it, how, how did it kind of come together? On my end, it was, it was super easy. You know, I mean, I feel like a lot of the time you get told, OK, this is when you're going in the studio, you have this amount of time, make an album. And quite often times, th- things get rushed things are forced and you're left with the outcome and you try your best to get to the, the best possible outcome you can. But this time, everything, we had no time constraints, no limits, no one telling us what we had to write, what we didn't have to write. And uh, it was it was supernatural. Like, nothing felt forced. If, if at any time something wasn't working, we didn't sit around for hours trying to make it work. It was just like, well, this doesn't work. Let's move on uh, and try something else. And it just... If, for me, uh, personally speaking, it was super natural, super easy, um, and it felt much like um, when we recorded Stand Up and Scream, because again, back then, we had no time constraints, we didn't know, really, we, we had no guidelines, you know, we just did what we felt like doing, and it was exactly like that with this record. I think if we'd have just 
straight into it instead of touring, there might have been um, kind of a learning curve. But I think because, I mean, keep in mind, this this happened like seven months after us getting back together. So there was there was a lot of time of us getting used to each other again and playing together. So that took away a lot of um, any any learning curve with writing together again. And then, I mean, Ben had already kind of had a couple ideas of songs before I'd even um, shown it back in the picture. But uh, once I did, it was, he, he, we used a couple things and then he wrote just a lot of new stuff all very quickly. Um, I mean, I was, I was traveling around doing stuff at the time and he was sending me stuff and I wanted to approach it in, in in a new way than I had before or that I used to and approach it as a songwriter rather than as the singer of a band who's recording an album. I wanted to approach it like I would if I was writing a song just for, to pitch out to other people. Cause I feel like that's when I do my best work. So I, I kind of, I gave stuff a brief listen to make sure that, you know, I liked it and that it was something I could vibe with. And then when we got into the studio, a lot of the times that would be when I heard the full song for the first time. And we'd, and we'd sit and we'd play it. And then when I had an idea, we'd just, we'd just run. Well, it, it'd take about 20 minutes to get that first line. And after that, 30 minutes later, the song's done. I mean, in terms of From Death to Destiny, obviously that was quite a famously fragmented recording process. I know, you know, you, you worked in multiple studios and that sort of thing. So, like that, that's, that's, that's one way to describe it. <laughs> yeah. um, famously fragmented. That might have been a better name for the album. <laughs> <laughs> so with, um, with that in mind, there was this... A where, much... where were you four years ago? Dude? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with that in mind like how was it a much more positive experience then it sounds like it was much more natural like you say and just kind of it sounded like everything was much more it flowed in a much more nicer easier way would you say that's that's true with this album Absolutely. well what's weird is danny never went missing <laughs> uh there were never yeah. physical or verbal altercations um we weren't angry not one drug dealer showed up <laughs> Yeah, it was weird. Well, that wasn't that wasn't through lack of trying. It was just. <laughs> yeah, it was it was it was a very different experience from Death to Destiny. However much I, I love that album and what and what came out of it, it was we were in a we were we were caught in a spiral, but we had no idea. It was only after everything fell apart that we were like, shit, we really should have done something about it then, because like that was the. But at that point, it was the point of no return, and we just kept pushing through. And from there, there was no coming back. It was from that point on. I feel like there was an inevitable you know, just fallout from everything that had been happening. And we, if we, we would have like cattle, we were just we were just fed and fed and fed what we needed to be fed in order to to get the end product. You know, um, yeah. by multiple people on the outside, we weren't actually people. Um, doing this because we loved it. You know, obviously we did, but we've been pushed to, to breaking point and forced to continue, you know. And I've, I often say this in, in interviews, you know, what would you have done differently? And the answer is simple, you know, I would have taken a year or two off. I wouldn't have, we wouldn't have pushed yeah. and pushed to the point where we snapped. Um, and it wasn't us necessarily pushing each other. It was everyone on the outside pushing in 
And eventually, you know, like Danny said, it was inevitable. There was only one outcome that was going to come from that, and and it happened. And the world, the world watched it. We were, we were basically, we were put in a position where we kept being told that time off is death. If we took a break, if we took, if we took a month off, where we would have been touring, our careers done. Like we were told these things, and we were young, and and we thought these people knew what they were talking about, so we believed them. Um, and it was it was just people that saw they didn't see five um, five young guys who came in this for all the right reasons and are struggling. They saw dollar signs, and they saw the potential of them not getting paid for a month. So they they want they just worked us into the ground, and there was really no, we we believed everything they told us, and that yeah, as as Ben said, a break was what we needed, but no one was going to let that happen. You know, and, and fast forward four years later, you know, 20 to 100 pounds of extra weight later, uh, slightly more. <laughs> and now we actually uh, know what we're doing, or we like to think we know what we're doing. Yeah, I was going to say, they're the famous last words of men who just make massive mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. They're the famous last words of, of two guys who just who just wrote their least successful album of all time, but don't know it yet. <laughs> so was, was there an element of real therapy? Then fuel for the next album. Yeah. Don't worry. We'll go back into the next. We'll go back into the next album, hating each other with massive drug problems, and we'll be right back to normal. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so was, um, was there an element of therapy then in putting these songs together? And uh, after coming out of all that stuff and, you know, like you say, just being prodded and prodded and prodded by people on the outside of the band, was there a real therapy in, you know, working together again and putting these songs together? Because obviously across the album, lyrically, you know, you guys go to some, some very brutally honest places. I mean, was that, was that very therapeutic in that sense as well? Yeah, songwriting, songwriting has become my therapy for the last few years. Um, I mean, I did it with with I my whole last record. And, mine. Yeah, <laughs> Postmates. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, this this for me, especially coming right off the back of making that record, it was just a continuation of of this new headspace I found, and I came in with just an opportunity to to just air out all of my dirty laundry and everything that's gone on between us. And I mean, that's where the album picks up alone in a room is the it's, it's me making my last record or, or just after that. And it's the looking back on it to where we could, we couldn't be in this place together. Now we couldn't be making this album until I had sat down and kind of faced myself. Um, and then into the fire is the kind of doing the asking thing again and realizing that like, if I I've, like, I've got these flaws in myself, I have these, these demons and I can either be depressed about them and turn to drugs and turn to alcohol and turn to doing all these fucked up things I used to do, or I could use them in a positive way and make them work for me. And, lean into the crazy and that's what we did with this record and then hopefully hopeful's next and that's just about hoping that we were right 
Yeah, because as we, you know, with some, like you say, songs you mentioned, like hopelessly hopeful, uh, into the fire. And where did it go as well? When where does it go comes in? Um, were, were some of the things you spoke about on that song were they quite hard to address, or, or was it because you were given this freedom, you know, to do these these things musically that you wanted to do and kind of address these topics? What, did you feel? Did, did it not feel too daunting in that sense, and that you felt that you could you could do what exactly what you wanted and say exactly what you wanted? <laughs> Well, I've ne- I've never been one to shy my words. Um, <laughs> That's very true. Yeah. <laughs> but um, at the same time, yes, it's an uncomfortable song to write. Every single song on the album is uncomfortable to write and uncomfortable to say. But that is that's how I write. If I I've I've kind of reached a point where if I'm not uncomfortable when I'm writing something, then it's not good enough. I should be uncomfortable. I should be pushing myself into a place where. I feel like I shouldn't be saying this or I don't want people to know this about me or I don't want to know this about me. If I'm not in that place, it's not the right song. Like it's, a song should be open heart surgery. It should be, it, sh- it should be scary to write it because it should be you divulging things about yourself that you don't re- you don't want to talk about or you don't want to face. And that's what makes the best songs. Um, so yeah, it was a difficult song to write, but at the same time I said a lot of it, where did it go is obviously it's much more jovial. Like it's very tongue in cheek. Um, but it like, there's a lot of truth to it. There's a lot of dick swinging, but there's a lot of truth to it too. <laughs> yeah. hundred percent. Cause as well, you know, in terms of the kind of musical side of that as well, I'm feeling much more liberated in what you could do musically. You know, you've got songs like under Denver and uh, of course empire as well, which is completely different for the band. Total curveball. Uh, I mean, where, I feel, huh? yeah. Like where did that kind of come from in this year? Did it just get to the point where it felt like you wanted to see all different kinds of new things you could do within the asking sound? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you how it, how it, 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 it started because Ben had written this song and he sent it to me and I'd started writing a chorus when we were um, overseas. I think we were in Sweden and <clears throat> no, we were in Denmark. I remember now. So we started doing this song and it was so completely different. And Ben had been kind of formulating this idea where he was like, dude, how about going in to mix this? We get like a hip hop guy to mix it. Cause those, those mixes are always so good. And then we kind of, we were looking into that and then it was like, well, why don't we ask another time it was, why don't we ask machine gun Kelly to rap on this song? And it, and it like, everyone's kind of like, well, I don't know. And then ben, Ben's like, no, like we're already doing weird stuff. Like, fuck it. Um, so, you know, I talked to Kells and he said, yeah, he was super stoked. Um, didn't hear from him again for six months. That guy is impossible to keep, to keep in touch with. <laughs> and then I saw him again. He's like, yeah, yeah, dude, send me this one. I was like, oh, I already sent it to you four times, but okay. So send it to him again, again, impossible to chase down. We're getting close to the wire. So I asked Yellow Wolf to do it and he's like, yeah, yeah, totally. He's just as hard, if not harder than MGK to keep in touch with. So I cut, we were like <laughs> in the studio and I'm like trying to get in touch, trying to get these guys on the phone. Like, Hey, record this fucking song. And then, um, <laughs> we'd, we'd been, we'd been listening to, to Bings. We'd been listening to Chandler and, and it was like, okay, if we can't get one of these big names, we can't, we can't go for a middle of the road. We can't go for anything like that we've got to find like a new act, like a breaking act. And if we're not going to have someone who's going to help. Worthy of pushing. Yeah. Cause if, if it's not someone who's going to bring a whole bunch of stuff from their end, we should reverse the tables and give someone an opportunity 
instead of it being like someone who's not really going to bring anything to the table and not really going to gain anything from it, there should always be that kind of shared camaraderie within the industry. So, and he's super talented. And he did, yeah, and that's he the did fun, it in what? Like, when, when we like said, okay, let's, let's try out this Binks kid. Um, Cause Danny had introduced me not personally, but to his music um, a few months prior. And I, I, I like a lot of rap music. And so I was listening to it and I was like, yeah, this kid's really good. And I think, you said that in like the whole whitest non hip hop guy ever. Oh, you, you know me. I, I like me some, some of that hippity hop. <laughs> I definitely the rap game. <laughs> Dude, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm wearing dad shorts and some plimsolls right now, so I'm as far from cool. Dude, I'm wearing, I'm wearing, I'm wearing cargo shorts, putting a bed together. We are like, we are we domesticated, have, dude. We have no business entering the rap game, but you know what? <laughs> and then, when, see, homebody. No one to do it with us. We were like, ah, oh, fuck it, let's hit up big. The funny thing about Binks to me is like once we had decided, okay, let's, let's give this kid a shot, everyone in our team, not necessarily the band guys, maybe them a little bit, but mainly like label and management, they were a bit apprehensive. They were like, guys, this song is so off the wall. To make it work, you need a big name behind it or else it's not going to work. And we were like, look, just give this kid a shot. And the thing is, as soon as we got the, his first draft back, his first draft sang into a microphone on a computer it you know we showed it to everyone and went, holy shit this kid's amazing he is the person for this song it doesn't matter that no one knows who he is because they will after they hear this song in three years there's going to be some some hard rock band to ask him to sing on a song and he'll say yes and they won't be able to get in touch with him and then last time i'll get in touch with them either <laughs> thankfully we got in under the wire we got in first we got in before that <laughs> No, it'll be us again on the next record. <laughs> hey, Pink, <laughs> I just, I just know I'm waiting any day now. I'm gonna get a text from Kels and he's like, "Yo, when do you need this song by?" <laughs> yeah, right. No, he's too busy being famous. <laughs> yeah, he's like an actual celebrity now. <laughs> We're still trying. <laughs> <laughs> so in terms of that as well do you think especially in this day and age as well when everything's so instant you know and like DJs and people from the hip hop world you know can just drop songs you know straight away as soon as they're done do you think that it's important like cause something that really stands out about this album is that it spans so many different genres like you can't slap a label on it at all do you think that's really important do you think you need to have that sense of uniqueness and, and kind of you know that that kind of willingness to break down genres and barriers in terms of music in this day and age the, the funniest thing about you saying that is we didn't actually want to release an album we hummed and hard for a long time we were like let's just release singles we'll release a new song every month and at the end of the 12 months, after we've released 12 songs or whatever, you know, it's part of a collection rather than an album. We were trying to like, because I feel like this, our genre in particular is very stifled, but you know, it's, it's been stuck in a rut in the same place for a long time. And it's like, look, all these hip hop, rap, pop artists, they're all just throwing out singles. Like you said, it's like, why can't we do the same thing? But unfortunately, I just don't think our genre um, in this, in this ready, for it. ready for that. Yeah. And everyone just got, everyone just got afraid and chickened out. No, no, no. We have to follow the old formula. So when you listen to this album, it is very much so um, how you just said, because that was our intention. We wanted to release just, um, a collection of really, really good 
songs, which is why, you know, they don't necessarily all sound like they belong together, but they all have their own place in music. I mean, in terms of, of Eve as well, you know, that's, I'd say maybe that's the heaviest moment on the album. That was um, the first one we did. Oh, right. Okay, cool. <clears throat> so, yeah, take me inside that. So that kicked off the, the recording sessions there, or the writing sessions. Yes. Well, the album yeah. was originally going to be called Eve. Oh, cool. Yeah, it was actually. And then I think, I don't really know where that came from. I think that almost came from us, like, like you said in the beginning of this, you know, this is the first time Danny had come back to ask me and we've been in the studio again since 2012, 13. Um, I think we almost took it on ourselves, almost like we were daring each other, like, you know, how heavy can we still go? Do we still have it? And, um, you know... Turned out we didn't. Kind of fell out. <laughs> yeah, that, that, song, um, that song was basically the story of Eve in the Garden of Eden, and it was... Uh, the conversation between well, it was more, it was the snake talking to her, kind of pushing her and being the uh, the kind of the devil on the shoulder, which kind of represents where we were when we were being told all this stuff and when we were being pushed into into the complete downfall of who we were. They, they keep coming under this illusion that we're in this business to make them money. We don't fucking care about them. They can take it. They could drop dead tomorrow. I'm like, we don't fucking know these people. And we don't care about these people. They're the ones who've been bleeding us dry for the last 10 years of our lives. Like, I don't give a fuck if their bank account, if they, if they, they make barely a billion dollars that year because we decided to release an album in December. Fuck them. There are moments on the album that actually feel very hopeful. You know, it's songs like I Am One, um, especially, and of course, you know, we've already spoken about Empire. Like, in that sense, does that hint at a, a very bright future for Ask Alexandria? I Am One is me saying that I'm God. <laughs> so the, the short answer is That's yes. what it is. I am the Father and the Son. I'm saying that I am God. So, I mean, the future's pretty hopeful if I've got an outlook like that. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I'm not one to, to just offend people, but <laughs> fuck them. <laughs> All of them, just fuck them to death. <laughs> yeah, just absolute madness. I mean, as I say, asking a back, you know, those two are back together. Um, outrageous stuff. <laughs> Tamsin, what are you saying? I mean, how you managed to get any sensible answers <laughs> out of that interview, like, I have no idea. The whole thing is just ridiculous. Um, but you know what? It's actually, it, it's, it's nice to hear an interview where they are just pissing about um, because obviously... They even said, like, there's not actually been any drama between them for years, but it's just been stuff that, you know, the internet likes to gossip about. Um, but, you know, for a while, it, you know, the picture was painted that they hated each other, that they, you know, just, like, didn't want to speak to each other again, never want to see each other again, whatever. Um, but to hear them kind of just, like, just being back to Danny <laughs> and Ben is uh, quite, I suppose, interesting as well to hear, like, the actual reasons why things broke down and how they built it back up and you know started writing music together again so it's really cool yeah awesome stuff yeah i mean the self-titled album is an absolute banger there's a song we talk about on the uh, interview of course empire which is gonna blow all your minds when you hear it crazy stuff jack um yeah empire is pretty <laughs> wild um the biggest thing is the fact that 
like I, which I said when I was I said that I was probably most excited for this album is that it's probably going to go back to stand up and scream days and even though it's not in terms of sound or anything in terms of like attitudes where it's like no guidelines going in where they're just doing things as they wanted and when they were talking about it from death to destiny which did feel like a very strange departure and that that was the thing which kind of broke them down that it's like they were caught in a style and didn't have a chance to like work with it because like they were not allowed to take a break so it's, a, it's quite refreshing like hearing them as Tamsin said being playful and like it's like two Labradors just like like where you're trying to take a picture of them but then they get distracted by the squirrel <laughs> and then like bite each other and then just fall over each other it's it's just it's really nice to hear things back on track and I think people are going to be really surprised by this album but also really embrace it it's it's a massive step for the band definitely yeah and uh yeah just brilliant stuff and uh stay tuned for the end of this podcast there was a lot of stuff i had to cut out of that interview uh maybe we'll run the whole thing online we'll, we'll see but we have a very special outtake from it so uh stay probably, tuned probably my favorite part of the whole podcast we haven't even got the whole way through it yet but just hear it just hearing it is um a highlight of my week <laughs> amazing so stay tuned for that jack List of questions, list of questions. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> Liz Cotton and Libby 80 Days both asked this. If you wanted any two bands to collab, who would they be and why? And I think mine, I'd love to hear modern day Panic at the Disco with like Brendan when he's very croony, but with someone like Four Years Strong, where it's kind of like, because the, the things about Four Years Strong as it is like now that they're back into their heavyways is that they've always had this kind of soulful feel to what they do like with a, a with all the energy i'd love to hear kind of like a lounge feel come in and brendan also likes a mosh himself because when like on vine when he used to do positive hardcore thursdays or whatever it was like dude's got a scream on him like he, he can I'd love to see Brendan Yori throw down. <laughs> I love that. So, yeah, I think that's quite, and, and I think that's quite on brand for me, that duo was That well. is quite on brand yeah, for you. Yeah, very that's JR. Very on, yeah. well, on, on the subject of that, it, it was the other day, I was waiting for uh, a falafel rap in Camden. Lovely. After the Palerail show, while playing the Sleep On It album through my Fallout Boy fidget spinner. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's kind of like... That, 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 that is that, your personal oh, brand. Oh yeah, I think that's like gravestone stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm going to throw my choice back to our launch episode when it was first kind of hinted at. Um, I want Broco and Champs to get in the studio together and just get over and done with. I want them all dressed as cowboys. <laughs> I want them swinging their t-shirts around the head. I want the biggest, boppiest chorus you could ever create in your life. Um, and I feel like Don Broker and State Chance are the ones capable of doing that. Yeah, Damiani has to be on that album. Um, for me, it's going to be Architects and Parkway Drive. Um, I want Sam Carter and Winston McCall. Two best screamers in the game are just ripping a track to absolute shreds. Those guys of that calibre, they need to do something together and just absolutely annihilate a track. Um, other shout would be uh, Stand Atlantic working on their debut album. They need to get Jason Butler on there to lay down some screams. That would be sick. Or get Black Bear in. Or Black Bear, yeah. Because <laughs> that would be totally my vibe. Just saying. Get both, yeah. Yeah, yeah, both would be great. That would be sick, yeah. <laughs> sick. Um, 
It's K S L O K. Okay. Um, uh, do you think modern day music will be remembered as classics? Also, I uh, with uh, I am doing the laughing emoji face. Like trust the others. Yeah, I am. He's doing it. Um, with that question, I think in our scene as it is now, maybe not. I think that the songs which will be remembered are the ones which are already remembered now. So for classics like Panic and Fall Out Boy, like yeah. Sugar We're Going Down and I Write Sins. Um, it's, yeah, I think, I think it might be a case of like, that there are songs that are gonna stand the test of time. And as I said, like Fall Out Boy, Panic, All Time Low, the bands that we've grown up listening to are gonna soundtrack the, you know, the next sort of teenagers, adults coming through, yeah, um, which is which is amazing. Um, I mean, like you mentioned, those bands. We saw Palais Royale the other night, uh, their debut London show, and they covered "Teenagers" out of nowhere by Mike Chem, and that felt massive. I mean, that felt like the whole room, you know, front to back, knew it. It was that felt like a classic, you know. Yeah. So I, I think, and I think, you know, even people who aren't particularly into rock music and that sort of know that song or "Welcome to the Black Parade," and like, so it, it, it is possible. I think. Yeah, we'll just have to wait and see, won't we? That's it. Time yeah. will tell, I guess. And finally, Rorona underscore Chan asks what our favourite 1OK rock song is and why. And mine is One Way Ticket because I think that it's it's one of the best pop songs which is not huge. Basically, it's got everything which modern day pop represents, like the, the Kygo synths at the end, a building chorus, like a sentiment. It's just... It's almost like it, it's a perfect pop song, but that people don't realise is there. So, I've gone for "Take What You Want" because not only does Taka hit the most insane note <laughs> towards the end of it, um, and I don't think anyone will ever be able to. It's one of those ones you know when you have on in the car and you're like, "I'm gonna go for it," and then you're like, <laughs> "Oh God, I sound like I'm dying." Um, and obviously, it's got loop for five seconds of summer on it, so like pure straight up banger. Big up. Yeah, I'm going jaded. Big up, Alex Gaskarth. Uh, that song is one of the best bangers of this year. Banger playlist for years to come. I mean, I'm a sucker for like dual vocals and that sort of thing. Him and Taka together just sound insane. Like, just, yeah, just what, what a banger, basically. What a band. Cheers, lads. <laughs> <laughs> So, of course, shop.rocksound.tv, our Don Broco issue, which uh, had just launched this time last week, now on sale, of course, in shops as well, online at shop.rocksound.tv. Absolutely amazing, had a huge reaction. Again, we're so excited to be a part of this. It feels like, I don't know, the stars have just aligned with that band, you know, they're underdogs and it's been a long time coming. It just feels so exciting to be a part of this and give them their first ever full band cover. We heard technology for the first time today. It was a trip, wasn't it? Prepare yourselves. Bloody hell. I mean, you know, these songs, they've released obviously all bangers and we, we've picked them up a lot on this show, but tip of the iceberg. Like some of the stuff on this album is truly out there. And uh, I'm calling it album of the year 2018, potentially. Shop.razan.tv, all three different limited edition covers. You can get the Everybody Bundle, the Pretty Bundle, the Technology Bundle. Absolutely brilliant. Of course, involving cowboys and aliens and all kinds of different things. Suits, amazing. You get a pin badge, a hand-signed poster print by the whole band, exclusive art card, prints of each member which are like trading cards you get Don Broker vinyl sticker 
all involved in all those bundles. So much going on, so much to get involved with. Uh, the issue also includes features on Fallout Boy as it is, Palais Royale, poster special from this year's Slam Dunk, loads and loads of stuff. So shop.rocksound.tv. Our uh, Spotify playlists uh, are also updated. The Rocksound chart has been updated. BVB are at number two at the moment. Don Broker still reigning um, high at number one with T-shirt song. So follow us on Spotify with that. And uh, our Scuzz TV show. A new episode is currently on Scuzz TV daily. So if you want to check out all the new bangers from bands involved in this month's magazine, check that out on daily on Scuzz. So interview two. Uh, introducing a brand new feature for the Rock Sound podcast, um, our first ever Rock Sound classic album feature. So, Newfound Glory, about a month ago, did their 20 years of pop punk tour, um, playing two of their albums, their now extremely impressive back catalogue per night. So, I caught them at the forum, and so did Jack, when they did Sticks and Stones and the self-titled. And I spoke to Chad and Jordan beforehand about the legendary Sticks and Stones, talking about its amazing legacy, its influence on so many bands. You know, bands you guys love out there, we love, are literally named after things in that album. Uh, the phenomenon of My Friends Over You, all sorts of stuff. So, yeah, here we go. Chad Gilbert, Jordan Pundick from Newfound Glory on Sticks and Stones. So, uh, Chad, Jordan, thank you so much for coming on the Rock Sound Podcast. Yeah, man. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, talk about Sticks and Stones. It's it's one of the most influential albums in the entire pop-punk genre, uh, just music in general, really. Like, every band that we deal with, like, <laughs> Sites You Guys loves that album so much. So, I just wanted to delve into the process of it, really, and kind of, like, the era around it. Yeah. So, um, listening back to it now, just to mm-hmm. kick off, like, how are you guys still very proud of it? How does it feel listening back? Yeah, I mean, that was our first, like, really big kind of record for us. Um, we had been touring a lot before that record, we, we, before we even got in the studio to record that record. Um, so I feel like by the time we got to that point to record, we were, like, pretty, like, seasoned, you know, because we had been touring so much and self-titled was out and, you know. So um, I was still living at home with my parents. So. Yeah, that was, that was really, <laughs> we actually moved for that record that was yep. like um, we all lived at home and then we all moved to uh, Southern California some of us moved to San Diego I moved to Los Angeles but we uh, we made the album in San Diego so we all lived down there and literally like went from living at home to living in an apartment yeah. recording the album so it was definitely a yeah big time um, big symbolic record yeah. big mm-hmm. symbolic record for us you know personally too because you know when you hear the tell all my friends I'm dead, I'm leaving you this time, it's for good, you know, this is like, it wasn't like, you know, we were gone, that we moved out, we were out of our hometown, and, and we were like, made that big jump to like, all right, this is be our career, we hope it works, if it doesn't, at least we know we uh, had a good time, you know, so, it was definitely, definitely a risk that we took, but um, I think you gotta, gotta take take those leaps you know when you love something oh cool so going off because I say the success of the self-titled and obviously songs like Hit or Miss and things like that like what did you feel kind of was there a real excitement off of that and kind of the success and the interest that that had, that had brought to the band like was there kind of were you riding a buzz off that or was it was it all think, just quite straightforward yeah? well I think it was riding a buzz but I think for for us like um, it was more about uh, you know how do we how do we grow as a band and you know stay a punk band but also know that we aren't just a punk band you know like we we wave the pop punk flag which we're very proud of but if you're a fan of newfound glory and you listen to our records it's not a pop punk album all the way through you know it's like there's so many different style songs like and six and stones alone has the story so far sunny um head on collision songs that are far from punk rock songs so for us was like well we wanted to like 
dive into other areas and just you know fast punk beats but how do we how do we grow organically instead of taking instead of abandoning everything so i think we saw what hit or miss was doing you know hit or miss was like an accident we weren't like um right trying to write a single you know it just kind of like happened so going into six and stones we did have that in the back of our mind where we're like oh you know we hope there's a big song on the record and all this stuff you know that like hit or miss that people connect to and originally the song that we thought was the song was it's been a summer no because my friends over you wasn't written that song wasn't like we were in pre-production there was a board with all the songs and my friends over you did not exist wow and it was the last it was the night before the last day so it was like we were in a room we had this one practice studio in san diego where we practice and write together and the night before the last day we all went to dinner and all went to the movies and there was no pressure just hanging out i remember being in line with cyrus our drummer and i got the riff in my head like the i was like cyrus i was like sing this sing sing this and cyrus sang it and i went i go dude i gotta gotta remember that i gotta remember that Voicemail didn't exist, like voice memos, because <laughs> there weren't iPhone. There weren't iPhones, so I just had. I remember the whole movie. Like, don't forget that. Right? <laughs> Went home, did the music, and I remember coming in the next day. Everyone was so bummed. I was like, we got to do this song. They're like, no, we're done. We have the record. We have the record. I'm like, no, dude. We got to do this. No, I don't want to write anymore, dude. Listen to this riff. You know, played it. Like play, uh, Neil was like, "That's pretty good," you know. Neil Avron was like, "Mind you, remember that the record's done. Like we we're about to go track everything. It's been a summer. It was everyone's favorite <laughs> single, you know." And, and I was like, "Come on!" <laughs> Everyone was like really pissed off. Ian was pissed. Everyone was just like, "I don't want to do it." And then, kind of argued about it, fought with him. We did it, and that's it. Made the record, and his Crazy. first single, biggest song, Crazy. last song we wrote, wasn't supposed to be on the record. Amazing. That's it. Wow. So go, when the album comes out then and that song explodes, <laughs> like, you know, you go straight on to Warp Tour. Like, what did that feel like? That must have been amazing. <laughs> Dude, it was awesome. Dude, it was huge. Yeah. Shows were huge. I mean, it was really cool. But it's almost like it just, like, when I think about those times, I feel like it just happened, you know? And it, and it went by so fast, you know? Everything goes by so quick. It's yeah. super weird. And now here we are 20 years or whatever. Yeah, it's crazy to think that not only are we on a 20-year tour, but like how long ago Six and Stones came out. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because you know, even even like thinking about Not Without a Fight, Not Without a Fight to me is such a new album. Yeah. But that came out 10 years ago. Yeah. You it's know? so weird. Yeah. It's really weird. <laughs> Amazing. So it's songs, go back into the songs as well, like Head on Collision as well. It's another huge moment on the album. Like, where did that come in? That was, I take it, so that was in the original set of songs. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Where did that? Where did that come from? I think just, oh, uh, yeah. I don't know. We've always been in a, like a, bit, a big thing with us um, that I think got, because, you know, people, and this is no diss to, to anyone because I'm the same way for things that I don't know a lot about, but like, if you see something next to something else, it's easy for you to compare that to the thing it's next to. You, you associate it with it. So for instance, like when we first started, we weren't a punk, you know, we weren't considered a punk band. You know, like when Nothing Gold Can Stay came out, 
we were like punk, played punk shows and stuff, but we were more of like a post kind of punk, kind of emo, kind of, and we only toured with Saves a Day, Piebald, played shows with the Get Up Kids. We were in this whole other world. And that's almost why a lot of the West Coast punk bands thought we came out of nowhere because we were playing and doing hardcore tours and, you know, and emo, quote unquote, emo tours before we ever even played and toured with a punk band. You know what I mean? Like it was like we were doing all these. So um, I remember when when uh, we toured with Blink, we never were associated with Blink. But as soon as we toured with Blink, we we're New Fungoian Blink. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's fine because the cool thing about it was Blink was huge and they gave us that tour and we had amazing exposure and it was awesome. You know, we had this incredible exposure, made all fans and now Blink Blink fans became New Glory fans too. And, and it was amazing. Um, but I think as we recorded Six and Stones, it was important to bring other elements of where we came from musically with songs like Head on Collision and Story So Far, which I see as more of those songs that are more post punkish hardcore more like melodic than punk you know what i mean yeah. that's more the lo- melodic side where to show we weren't afraid of other rhythms or other to show like that we had more influences than just the fast beat and and for what well, the cool thing is if you're a blink fan and you saw newfound glory and you we opened the door to like so so much other new styles of music you know which is really cool through yep. those kind of songs. Because it made you open your mind and go, oh, I like punk, but whoa, this song's different. I like this too. Who else sounds like this? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because the song like singled out as well. Like the opening of that song is like, that's really experimental. Like where, where did that come from? Is oh, that again? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Where did that come from? I don't remember. I just, <laughs> just the guitar the guitar lead. We were like, what mm-hmm. if we did that on this this little thing? Oh, I know where it came from. I know where it's from. Where? Neil Avron, our producer, had this little keyboard. Oh, right. And when we were <laughs> figuring out harmonies, when he would do vocals, yeah. if we needed to match a note, he would just have it there and be able to hit two notes and be like, okay, that's a good, you know, we were able to, we were able to check the harmony on the, on the little keyboard before he tracked the vocal or, or testing it. Um, and, uh, and when you, Jordan, when he would mess with it, would hit a button and I remember like, it was like the, it was like this drum thing. Get all Wesley Willis on it. It was all really, it was all really funny. It would play these beats. So we're like, oh, let's do the lead of singled out. On a little Casio keyboard. So when you hear that. That's right. That's Neil's fake drum beat keyboard. Little tiny little thing. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, so battery, it's, battery powered. <laughs> That's amazing. So, so like, it's, it's well, like you'd say, open all these doors into other genres, and it's it concerns this album that you you can't really slap a genre on in a way. Like a song like um, well, the the hardcore influence of the album as well. I mean, that yeah. was that kind of yeah yeah. Like was that kind of coming with with your background with like Shy yeah. Hellud and that sort of thing and well, like the jang, 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 like the yeah. Yeah. stuff. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I think that was our our goal was you know we were. We are all into different types of music. We loved hard. We loved East Coast hardcore and how rhythmic and heavy it was, and then we loved West Coast punk, and like the fast and cool riffs. You know the fast riffing, and then um, we loved melodic vocals like Get Up Kids and the Promise Ring, and you know uh, Knapsack and old like 
emo style vocals. So we're like, let's put it all together, you know. So forever, like, oh, this is a little. We should throw a little hardcore in that. I would scream on it, and and all the, you know, the, the hardcore community is all about, you know. You know, looking out for each other and helping bands. So when we first started, all the only shows we were on were hardcore shows. So if I, because of my old band, so I'd be like, oh, I was in that band. Can you hook us up? So we would, we would get a lot of hardcore tours and shows because of the connection to the hardcore world. So wow. screaming was like a natural like thing that we could add, and it wasn't forced. It you know, it's not like oh, let's add a scream to sound hardcore. It's like no, we're we're hardcore kids we're rooted in it and now we're just throwing it in there because it's what we like you know or what we our history you know yeah definitely it was that fun to work work with as well like between the two of you vocal wise was it fun to kind of blend stuff in and like that sort of thing and like how did how how was that how was working the vocal booth together um well i don't think we were ever in there together oh, not together yeah, but like yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i always thought it was a cool little thing that we that we did in our you know, back then when we were writing those kind of songs, like no other bands were really doing that. Um, so I always thought it was a cool thing to, to always throw in there. And then, and then of course, live, like people, it gets people pumped up, so. Yeah. It's funny, I remember being on tour forever ago, opening for Green Day over here, and Neil Avron, the producer, hit me up and was like, hey, you know, I'm doing, working with this band on their full length called Fall Out Boy. <laughs> you know, and you're like, they really, really want you to scream on the record. They love Sticks and Stones. And I was like, Fall Out Boy? I'm like, oh, yeah, I heard about their EP, you know. Like, oh, yeah, because you know, the whatever. first record, we're like, we're like, oh, my gosh, this record's so cool. It sounds like Starting Line. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, blue, the black <laughs> and blue, blue cover. Yeah, yeah. Cover. yeah and, and I was like, cool, do it. And, and Pete, you know, also came from, like, a hardcore thing. So they, they wanted me to scream on it. So we got the, the track, and we scream, you know, from under the court tree that – I scream. Did you do in the dressing room? Yeah, in the dressing yeah. room. There's that song where, where the part goes, can't cover it up, can't cover it up. That extra scream wasn't there. That was <laughs> us. I was in there, and I we just did it. So we had, they only wanted me to scream the, the bridge part. And then when I heard it, I was like, yo, let's add this call and answer thing. So they, it, you know, when we added, can't cover it up, can't cover it up. We threw that in there just and sent it back. I think I guess Neil liked it, or they used it on one of the parts, or whatever it is. Or wow. we added that gang vocal. That's insane. Yeah. So I mean, it's cool to think that like our little thing, you know, was like influenced, you know, and that record obviously is like sold millions of copies, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, that's it. I mean, cause, say I was going to move on to the the influence of the album on bands. I mean, obviously, like All Time Low and named after a yeah. lyric, and like Story Life are literally named after song name. And you guys have influenced, you know, Fallout Boy, A Day to Remember directly, all those bands. Like, how does that feel? That must be amazing. We just had to, we just should have charged them. That's yeah. <laughs> we should have charged them. So, like, yeah, you could name yourself. We just want, you know, just 2%. The scene's all about helping each other out, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was exactly. what we were thinking the whole time. No, it's cool. I think it's awesome. And it's, it's definitely, um, you know, that means way more to me than, you know, like, Success and money yeah. goes away. Like everyone, whether you're rich or poor, you have it, you're having the same problem, a lot of the same problems, just different different versions. But not everyone can say that they were able to like inspire, you know, people to pick up guitars and whatever it is, like be a part of their reason they started doing what they're doing. You know? Amazing. 
so it's it's cool that's that's the that's like the you know the biggest compliment you know yeah no exactly yeah amazing like i'd say just a couple last questions as well you had guests on the album as well uh mark from blue white 2 played played did he play bass on the whole song of something like a personality yeah. or was it yeah how did that happen him yeah like, <laughs> let yeah. me play bass <laughs> yeah i'm gonna play bass on the record yeah so he was just like he was just afraid yeah, he loved he, the band and he just yeah, wanted to come he was in just and, a huge yeah. huge newfound glory fan back then and had all of our records and loved it and we were recording in san diego and he wanted to play bass so we're like come on in he hung out wow picked it up wrote a little bass line in the bridge you know and and played it he also when we toured them always wanted to play sincerely me so every night every night live most shows he would do the yeah those guys are awesome man like they you know no matter what like you know whether their tastes or interests or things change and bands or whatever is they like this band that style this more they always help bands out you know they always want to bring something they like to open you know what I mean which is really cool you know which is like they did that for us which was a really really big deal and they're always the same guy they're always the same guys like you see what you see is what you get kind of thing with them which I've always loved that about them Oh man, that's so cool! Like it's as well because you had uh, you had Toe Morse as well from H Two O and uh, Bane and also uh, oh, yeah, yeah, Matt yeah. and Dan from Alkaline Trio, like yeah. sort of lend some vocals as well. Yeah. Was that just kind of the same thing? Just they were these guys that's all your friends and they yeah. loved your band. Yeah. And... It, it was just Bane. Bane was a band that was on the Saves Today, you know, toured with Saves Today around the same time. We we opened for Saves Today and Bane, and I knew those guys for years. And just happy accident, they were on tour opening for Hatebreed. This Bane and Hatebreed and went to the show. What are you guys doing now? You want to come sing gang vocals? Sure. They came, drove the van over and sang. Same thing with Trio. Alkaline Trio was playing at Canes in San Diego. And Matt and Dan, you know, we toured on Saves the Day tours. And, and we're like, and, and uh, Blink was like, hey, you want to sing on this bridge? Just picked them up. And they came over and just did it. You know, it wasn't like... It wasn't like a thought out. We gotta send him the tracks. Yeah, the tracks. this yeah, and <laughs> the truth. <laughs> yeah, and they just they just were in town and just came over. Amazing. So as well, like just in terms of the legacy of the album, then and say we've chatted about you know bands literally naming themselves after things from the album and that sort of thing. Like, does it feel to have made such a, a multi-genre, multi-layered album that's so so revered? Like. Does it feel? How does it stand up to you guys in your own catalog? Like, is it? Do you feel it's? Is it your favorite moment, or is it? Is it up there with your favorites? So, is is that a hard question? I don't know. I don't. Sorry, what were you saying? I was just gonna say, like, for us, that was kind of like the beginning of it all for us, you know. Um, even though, I mean, self title. I don't want to take credit away from self title because that like did its own thing on its own. But when Six and Stones came out, and My Friends Over You, and us touring constantly, and you know, doing all this crazy stuff, like that was like sort of the pinnacle, if if you will. I think for me, compared to other records, I, I don't, you know, that's one thing I'm grateful for is we have fans that love all the albums. And I think that, I guess the way I would see it is how you pick a friend. Like, you probably have lots of friends, right? Yeah, like I guess so, yeah. You, you look friends. like a nice boy. And you probably, you, there's probably times in, in your day where you would prefer to hang out with one more than the other could be your or, dog you know like you probably have a friend you might you like going to the movies with or you might have a friend you like going to the bar with or whatever it is i think that's how i see our records is that yeah i love sticks and stones but also it depends because sometimes i really like playing coming home for the right mood or the right time or 
you know, you don't, it's not about one better than the other. They just all have sort of something you value different about them. Yeah, just some absolutely amazing stories from what's just an absolute classic. I mean, you know, like the Fallout Boy stuff and the Blink stuff and My Friends Over You Nearly Not Happening. Crazy. Jack? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty wild. It's um, I've never seen New Fan Glory as the band who had so many <clears throat> incredible anecdotes. I always thought it's just like straight down the middle, just doing what they do. But like that FOB stuff is just, it's such a brilliant little Easter egg. Um, but I think the My Friends Over You stuff's mad. Like, just... And imagine sitting through... Like, imagine if Chad had to sit through something like Lord of the Rings. <laughs> like, uh, like, like Return of... his head. Just oh, yeah. like, oh, don't forget yeah. it, don't forget oh, it, don't forget especially it. Especially like Return of the King, where it's like, it keeps looking like it's going to finish and yeah. you start standing up and it just keeps going. Yeah, with the riff going yeah. around, yeah. Um, but yeah, like, the fact that that song, which everyone knows word to... Like, my gran knew the words to that. <laughs> like, Can you imagine... If they'd just been like, no, Chad, shut up. We're not yeah. doing it. Yeah. yeah. Which imagine if that happened. had happened. My Friends Over You is probably the song that got me into pop punk. But also them like thinking because they did used to play hardcore shows. That was the thing. Like, yeah. uh, Chad's got a mass connection to Shai Halud and all the, like, the early shows weren't, like, they weren't pop punk. And like for a band who are def- the definitive name in that now, to think that they were like, oh, well, we're not really that band either. It's a really interesting thing to see. I find it fascinating hearing bands define themselves. Yeah, it's insane. You know, for like, like I said, you know, like All Time Low to be named after, you know, a line in Head On Collision and uh, the story so far to literally be named after the song. You know, it's insane. Like it just, that, that album and that band's influence just spreads everywhere. And like Tamsin said, you know, that was literally a gateway into the genre. You know, it's crazy. What a band, you know, huge shout out to those guys for, you know, filling us in on so many amazing things. And yeah, just long live newfound glory, basically. So at shop.rockstand.tv, a reminder that our Don Broco bundles are very much on sale online at shop.rockstand.tv and in stores across the nation right now. You can get the Everybody Bundle, the Pretty Bundle, or the Technology Bundle. All include uh, pin badges, hand-signed poster prints, exclusive art card prints of each member, Don Broco vinyl sticker, so much going on. To say, we'll have a full review of Ali Pally next week. So excited, so much to get involved with. So shop.rockstand.tv, buy them all up, let us know what your favourite things are, and just, yeah, help support this uh, amazing kind of moment for, for rock music in general huge shout out uh, Spotify players of course follow us on Spotify for an updated rock sound chart Don Broco of course being at the top with, with t-shirt song and our Scuzz TV show is on daily on Scars. if you want to check out all the new bangers from bands involved in the current magazine check it out on daily on Scars. so we come to an end Again. 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 <laughs> but we will be back again, so it's fine. We will be back again. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's going to be good. Uh, so, yeah, Don Broco Saturday. We'll talk about that next week. Uh, we'll have a good time, I'm sure. And, yeah, we'll see you next week. See you. Love Bye. you. Bye. I mean, I'm not, I'm not one to, to just offend people but fuck them <laughs> <laughs> all of them just fuck them to death <laughs> I, say, I say as I'm sat Alan screwing a bedpost yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fuck you I'm the king of everything <laughs> where's F there's a missing F <laughs> Oh, God.
Oh, Ikea. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you know that, Ben, I mean, I know you know, when there's like one, there's supposed to be 10 washers and there's only nine. <laughs> in my check. I spent 11000 How much do I have left? <laughs> it's like the first time you grow the courage to shave, to shave your balls and all your teeth off. And you look down and you go, holy fuck, my dick is at least an inch bigger than I thought it was. And um, that's exactly how this feels. It feels big. It. You won't believe what I just did. Wow. I realized that I put, I, no, I that I put, that I put the legs on the wrong side because the inside screws were on the outside. So I took them off to put them back on again. And then I just screwed them back on the same way. Oh, I thought you were going to tell us you were shaving your balls. Whole yeah, time. yeah, that's what I thought, yeah. <laughs> I did one side on, on the three setting and the other side on the four setting. So now they look a little weird. <laughs> <laughs> But it's like, it's not so noticeable that you're like, huh, the hair's longer on my side. It's just like uncomfortable looking. Yeah. Why, is only, why is only my left nostril getting tickled, Danny? Don't worry about it. 